Episode 6, The Council of Elders. Seems so lovely must have been gazed upon by angels in their flight. Amangoni. Meanwhile, at a short distance away from the Mokuni kingdom, a group of 1,000 Goni soldiers and their leader, Zwengendaba, fleeing the south, settled in a place they had discovered by chance. The mystical finding looked like a fortified city of stone that had been abandoned by its citizens. A beautiful deserted kingdom with stone sculptures of giant birds and secular stone structures that looked like silos at the bottom floor, with another complex built above overlooking the plains of the Zambezia. The site had a huge stone wall that went around the complex with a build designed to regulate airflow inside for cold and hot seasons. The walls acted as a fortress, protecting the kingdoms from any invading army without cannons to pull down the stones. Towards the hilltop complex, there was a narrow passage, not enough for two people, with provisions for sentinels to drop rocks or fire any invading forces from the top. It led to the king's palace at the top, which was now empty except for golden artifacts that had been damned, cased, and left behind. The Ngoni forces looted the buildings and settled in the area for some weeks after defeating and incorporating the Shona and the remnant Roswi people they had found around the stone ruins into their unit. This new fighting force of well-trained assassins and looters became known as the Amazulu or the Ngoni of Zwengendava. Nkosi Amankosi, King of Kings. A general, barely in his early twenties, entered the king's space, a temporal shed that had been constructed to shield the king from the scorching heat of the African sun. The king sat majestically clad in leopard skin. Nkosi Baba. Our scouts have returned with terrible news, I'm afraid. Move closer. And what news is that? King Zwengendava asked. He was a feared king who had wrathful tactics to instill fear into his subjects, once gutting a traitor in front of the village during the Nchwala ceremony in the place of a cow. Yes, of course. The river ahead in Kosi is infested with crocodiles. We do not have enough provisions or canoes to ferry everyone together. We were talking amongst ourselves, wondering if we could settle here instead, to build upon the ruins. The messenger bowed, taking a few steps back. Listen carefully, for I'll only say this once. We won't stay here long enough to find out why the initial owners vacated the building. We are going to cross that river today. Go and tell everybody that we will either cross the Zambezi River or they will face my wrath. With that, the general left the king. Yes, Baba, I'll deliver the news. That day, as scores of young warriors, women and children crossed the crocodile-infested waters, the sun suddenly darkened as a god ring took its place. Curses, 
Birds began to sing their nightly songs out of nowhere as commotion spread throughout the crowd. Parents searched and called for their children in the darkness while the crocodiles pulled several of their members under the blood-soaked water. The day was the 19th of November, 1835. It marked the Ngoni crossing of the Zambezi River. Ikoa Mukuni, scene two. The council of elders gathered together that night while the village slumbered to discuss the matter as it came to be known. How do you know he'll turn against the customs of our people? Wediango asked the council chairman, the prime minister, who had already set his heart on making a king of our son. Everyone is aware of the power of Munali. Everyone is aware of their friendship. We do not need any other evidence. He said, leaning against his staff. We already know of the death of our children. Should the kingdom fall for us to realize that his majesty is acting against the interest of our children. No one of royal blood is to talk with people of this new religion, Ubulozi. If the pillars of our faith fail to support it, who will? Another elder agreed. Ubulozi wa mkua mbukali. The witchcraft is very powerful. This is treason. It is turning against our cultures. But the question is, has he committed these crimes? The Queen Mother defended, turning to her opposition who are bent on making a king of her son. You tell me that after seeing all that Bulaziwa Mukua, he wouldn't be interested. An elderly lady proposed. She was the eldest and the fountain of knowledge for the council. She had outlived seven monarchs. Her face was slightly illuminated by the fire burning between them. Mulando. Kolaila. It is unlawful for him to keep entertaining these spies. You and I both know Wandamabwe. They're after our minerals. God, they will kill us. Bulimbawaka Jayama Zezulu. Like the way they killed the Shona people. She ended pointing to the errors of South Africa. Lama, mother. Come I'm just saying he needs to defend himself. We cannot punish an innocent man for circumstances beyond his control. Gonya tried to support the royal establishment. What is wrong with you? Have you also become a Christian? The Prime Minister teased her. Have you begun practicing witchcraft? I had picked him. I chose him to be our king long before any of you were born. So don't for a second think that this decision was easy for me. The old lady venomously challenged the Council of Elders. Tomorrow. He will give his defense for formality's sake. She smiled of all her front truth had been knocked out in an olden tribal practice known as Kukula. History won't look kindly upon me. Mark my words, it is better to suffer injustice than to commit it, Vediango regretted, turning her seat on its side and exiting the meeting. She maintained her composure through this with her head held high. 
although inside a volcano had erupted. The king's fate had been sealed and she wanted no part in it. Although she already knew that history would look upon her as the woman who had murdered her own king to instill her son. My reputation would be a small price to pay for such a great and splendid kingdom. Scene 3 on their walk home from the meeting, Gonya and her mother passed through the royal graveyard. It was the shortest route to their destination, Nanjina Palace. Even in the darkness, it was easy for her to see the grave markers and the various shrines that had been erected over the burial places of their ancestors. Do they really want to send my brother to the ancestors using me? Vediango Mukamamu thought as they passed through a very well-known grave marker, a baobab tree with low-hanging leaves. It looked as if the gods had uprooted it and planted it upside down with its roots facing heavenward. It wouldn't be the first time, Gonya reminded her mother. They paused by the monument to show their respect. I remember the oracle used to recite to me when I was young, of Mukuni Sichichele, how his sisters had waited for their children to reign. And he outlived them. Yes, I remember the oracle. He would have lived to be over a hundred years. Red Yango paused, hurt by the cruelty of the king's sister to desire the death of their brother. They poisoned him several times. And the poison had no effect on him. Our ancestors are always on the side of those without fault. Just the same. They will be on our king's side. Wediango recited a psalm as she poured libations at the foot of the tree. Beneath it, Mukunis Chichele was buried alive after being pushed into a grave after being pushed into an empty grave. According to folklore, his voice was heard for a long time as he cursed the kingdom. The psalm was a call and response prayer, with spectators responding ancestors at the end of each line. In the heat of day and the cold of night. Ancestors, watch over us at night. Ancestors, be with us in the day. Ancestors, listen to our supplication. Ancestors, defend those who look to your example and protect them from the evil eye of those who seek to destroy them. Ancestors, bring this prayer before our Creator. Ancestors, forget not those who remember you. Gonya responded to the prayer.